Hi everyone, um, no midweek game for Celtic this midweek, not really a weekend game either with us playing on Monday night so we thought in the absence of a, a live reaction we would get together this Friday lunchtime, it is Friday isn't it? It is Friday Hamish, yes it is indeed, uh, I'm we glad we got that together. Right. I know, and uh, plenty to chat about with regards to regards to Celtic. Loads on on Angie's fifty games. Um, you've got some stuff you want to chat about there, John. And just generally, what's happening at the club is we have a wee bit of a pause uh, before things get very exciting again. Uh, you were buoyant on Sunday. I've been ripping into you every day since then. How are you feeling now? Have you got any less buoyant? No, it's it's not even an excited buoyancy. It's just that I'd have a general. Zen feeling of confidence right now, and I, 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 you know, it's not. I'm not trying to go too overboard with anything. I'm just trying to call it as I see it. You know, it could all blow up in my face. Of course, it can. But um, it's good to have a chat about it, and I'm, a more relaxed environment. And after the games, it feels like a while since me and you have done one of these ones together. Um, we've not really had a chance to chat much. You know, just about all things Celtic in a, on a general basis for quite a while. So it's good to sit down and have a wee chat with you. It is indeed, and we'll, we'll get through plenty. Um, thanks everyone who's joining us live. We love mm -hmm. you a lot. Um, everyone who's watching after, we love you slightly less, but we still have a lot of affection for you. Um, where do you want to start then, John? I think we should start with one of the big talking points of the week that was more earlier in the week, and, and that is that Ange hit a kind of 50th game landmark um, with that win over Livingston. Um, now, I think it's kind of notable for a couple of reasons. First, you know, the, the initial reaction to him coming in, which has been well covered. We won't go over that all again. Then the kind of... Um, some of the desperate takes, I would, I would describe him as desperate. You know, a month or two into his reign when things weren't quite going swimmingly, there's a lot of people making kind of definitive predictions about Halloween and Christmas seem to be very popular um, dates for, for the Postacoglu thing. So I think for him to hit 50 games, even though it's not a com complete full season is notable. And I think that kind of round number gives us a chance to kind of do a little bit of comparison work with, with some of the managers that have gone before um, and kind of reflect on what has been a, a pretty crazy 12 months at, at the club. So before we actually look at the numbers, we've got the numbers and we've got a comparison to some other kind of key Celtic managers over the, the last whatever period of time, what, what would you kind of think about his overall time so far because it's there, there have there have been ups and downs I would suggest more ups than downs especially you know when you consider where where Celtic were when Ange came in I think a lot of our our down moments the real dire moments this season came in the early part of the season when things even when Ange came in they, they looked pretty helpless at times nothing against him but against you know the whole club and the fact that there was a period when we didn't have players, it seemed, and, and we certainly were, were playing a lot of youth players and things seemed quite desperate at that stage. But I would suggest that, that since that kind of dip we had that you talk about when we had the defeat at Livingston and the Dundee United draw and Leverkusen putting four past us, it's kind of all been in an upward trajectory since then. There's been the odd wee setback, like uh, Bodo Glimt was, was an obvious one, but in general, you know, We've not lost a league game in in so many months, um. But but it seems like a lot of the kind of the the dull moments and the dire moments this season came right at the start. Yeah, and you know, I would. I hope I don't contradict myself here. I hope people get what I mean. I do think this season's been a bit of a roller coaster. But the one word I would use to describe 
plus the Coglu thing so far would be consistent and and not even in terms of results, but just in a general trajectory and, and the messaging that's come from the club. It's been so consistent since Ange came to the club. What he said about where he wants this team to go um, and where we are going, the players that have bought in, everything the players say, it's all on It's all on the same message. It's all about improvement and gradual improvement. Um, and I think that's where the consistency has been. And even Ange this week is talking about how, how training is the best he's ever seen it. And I'm sure we've all seen quotes like that flying about. And it feels like Celtic are just improving all the time. Um, and, and that's been the big thing for me, just a general sense of improvement. You know, taking away results and taking away, I know we're going to talk about the statistics and stuff coming up, but taking away all of that, um, it's just been a, a level of consistent improvement for me. That's been the, the main marker and the main measurement of, of Postacoglu so far. I would agree with that. And you go back and look at comments that he made at the start of his time at the club and they're they're kind of making a lot of sense now. They maybe didn't at the time because you didn't have anything to grasp onto. This guy never managed it in this part of the world. We didn't really know too much about him. But now everything kind of makes sense. Um, it's obviously a wee bit quieter in the stream today, so the positives are that I can get through some of your comments. Ryan McGinley of this channel, um, it's amazing to look back and think about the position we found ourselves in a year ago. What Ange's achieved in less than a year is nothing short of extraordinary. P.S. And I'll let you finish that one off, John. Trust the process, of course, as always. I've, uh, I was thinking about my mugs earlier, the Trust the Process mugs. They've not had an outing in a wee while. I need to get them back. Um, a couple of people watching us, Phil on Facebook, watching us from a land down under. Um, so great stuff. Dougie as well and, and Chris. Ange was always going to be successful, but we all thought that it would take more than than one year. Um, I guess we're, we're still to we're, we're still to find still out whether he's yeah, tr truly successful. Um, but I think a, a point I think you made in your Optus article this week is that the the notion of Ange not getting next season, you know, is completely oh, yeah. put to bed now. Whatever happens, you know, in the last you know dozen games this season and all competitions, we've seen enough to mm -hmm. to, to show us there's a lot more to come. Yeah, Ange is going to get the time that he feels he needs to to bring Celtic where he wants them to be. I think I think that's quite clear. I think the reason, you know, you're talking about at the start how I'm so buoyant about the end of the season. I genuinely think the reason why I feel so confident and so calm about everything is that, you know, for me, even if we don't win the league, I, I'm not tearing my hair out here. I'm not in crisis. I'm not, you know, throwing the towel in. I still think there's a lot more from this team to come, regardless of when whether we win this title or not. I feel like we're in a really strong position to do it. But even if we don't, I think there's enough there for us to feel positive about moving forward into next season. And maybe that's why I'm coming across a bit blasé about the, the title race and, and, and where we're sitting and how confident I'm coming across. But it's just a general sense of calmness because um, I'm quite confident that whatever happens in these eight, eight remaining games, which I still think anything can happen. I think the, the two games that are hardest to call are the two derbies and, and those will be the, the definitive games. Um, but whatever happens, I, I feel like we're in a good place heading into the summer. It would just speed everything up, though, wouldn't it? If we mm -hmm. won the yeah, league, well, it course, would also yeah. for me, you know, not not to bring that other lot into it too much, but for me, it's almost like what it would do to them if we won the league as much as what, in fact, more more so than what it would do to us. Because I, I agree with you. I think this Celtic team is just going in the perfect perfect direction. And you know, I said in a video last week that even if we don't win the league. You know, we've got players signed up to long-term contracts. 
that this isn't the situation we were in a year ago with players wanting to leave. We'll get at least another season, I would think, out of you know the vast majority of these players, and they're only going to get better. I mean, we, we won't have 11 drop points in our first seven games next season, I would doubt, so already you're in a better place. But you just wonder what it, what it, what it does to them across the city if, if we win the league and, and scoop that Champions League money. That's why it's so important to me, on top of all the, you know, getting back to being the... the the league winner and all that. But I think in general, I, I agree. I just feel that, um, you know, things are going in the right direction. We've got a manager who is a really, really good manager um, who signs well and he, he signs well in terms of quality, but he also signs well in terms of the right people. Um, I'm just, I, I can't remember having a Celtic team in, in, in any time previously that I liked so much. They're, they're just, you know, every player, you just really enjoy watching them, you enjoy listening to them in the media. Joe Hart yesterday, Matt O'Reilly, Callum McGregor, even Greg Taylor last week, his press conference was, was brilliant, I thought. Um, yeah, Taylor's you know, pretty good with the media, actually. Yeah. Surprisingly, you know, some of, some of the Scottish lads aren't the best, but Greg Taylor's always speaks well when he, he's speaking about Celtic. It was funny, the Joe Hart thing yesterday, like, you could sense the, the reporters and journalists in question kind of trying to goad him into... Uh, a commitment on on the Celtic treble, <laughs> like in fair play to them, that you know that's that's the job. I'm, I'm not having a go at them, but Joe Hart's just far too savvy to get um, locked into any treble hype and any chat about you know winning multiple trophies this season. Just he was saying that you know he's focused on the next day of training, never mind the next game, and I, I think that is what will will serve a lot of these players well. But he's too far too savvy to get caught into a headline where he kind of makes a definitive statement on Celtic winning the treble. They're they're really focused, aren't they? Mm. I think the Celtic support is really focused as well at the moment. I, mm-hmm. I I can only speak for how I'm feeling, but you know it is one game at a time at the moment. That's how I feel. I, I just I feel really confident that this team can do the business. Every single game this season that we go into from now on in my opinion, will be favourites or very close to favourites. We're not going to go into any game as underdogs, I don't think, the way we're playing. And I'm very much just, you know, a game at a time. And, and being at that game on Sunday, the, the, the fans at, at the game on Sunday as well, you got that impression. Everyone knew it was a, a big game. Um, yeah. I mean, Anne said that in his press conference yesterday and in, in that he, he felt in the build-up to the game, the players sensed that it was a big game. And then when they got to the ground... The support made it a bigger occasion than perhaps it would typically want. The Green yeah. Brigade went to special effort with the with the colour and the noise before kickoff, and obviously the, the fans all bought into that as well with the three th- sides of the ground, etc. So it did feel like, and, and I've spoken about it before a lot about on this channel about the unity that Ange Postecoglou has brought to Celtic, and I, I don't think there's any better evidence of it than than what we saw on Sunday. A hugely difficult fixture on the card. Everyone was looking at it like it was going to be a potential slip-up. Other people were expecting us to slip up. Other people were waiting to laugh at us. And the Celtic support and the Celtic players came together to to kind of to get over the line in that way. And I, I don't think it was a surprise that the intensity was back in the game, in part, and Postecoglou admits this himself, in part to, to the backing that they got from the support. Yeah, it was a magical day. Um, Mr Celtic watching us at home with COVID. Um, we hope you get better very soon. Um, and yeah, thanks everyone. Right, will, will we tune in to the old uh, the stats now? Because you're, you're oh, itching to do that. No, I, you know, I just thought, as as I said, the 50 is a nice round number. Um, and, and I think there's been, there has been a lot of comparisons between Ange and managers of the past. And I think the manager he's been most con- compared with has been Martin O'Neill and, and the kind of job that he did rebuilding Celtic in, at, the, at the start of the century. 
um, which was similar in a way with, with a couple of notable differences. Like Martin O'Neill at, at that time had one of the biggest budgets, not just in Scotland, but in Britain at the time, just in the way the, the TV deal wasn't as warped you know, down in England, meaning that Celtic were competing with Premier League clubs rather than the Championship clubs when it comes to fees and wages. Um, and that was a big boost in, in him bringing certain players to the club that summer. He also had a Mr. Henrik Larsson, who is, you know, the best Celtic player I've ever seen in the flesh and one of the best Celtic players to have ever played for the club. So he, you know, Martin O'Neill did have that going for him. But it is interesting that, you know, Postacoglu is in the conversation in the first 50 games with some of the great managers that have gone in the past, like Martin O'Neill, like Jockstein, Brendan Rodgers, and even a certain Mr. Neil Lennon. I mean, he, these are the numbers here. So, so in, the, in the first 50 matches, Ange has a 70% win record. Um, and there's only a handful of, ma- of managers who have ever gone beyond 70 you know, across their whole Celtic careers, which is O'Neill, um, Neil Lennon uh, and and Rogers there. But, you know, that that's, that's the thing. He's in the conversation for me. Um, and I think that's notable. Um, and I think his first 50 games have been have been fantastic. Um, you know, and uh, you know, a lot of those lot three of those losses came at very right at the start. We've been on an incredible unbeaten run in the Scottish Premiership. Um, and I think for him to be up there, you know, there's a bit of a drop off after the the sixty nine percent market goes down to sixty five. So Ange is up there at the moment and has the potential to go on and win the kind of silverware along with some of these managers. Obviously, not Jockstein. You know, we're not going to win the European Cup, but to win some, you know serious domestic silverware. He has the potential to do with that with Celtic, and I think his first 50 games prove it. Um, and, and it's good to see him, you know, kind of rub shoulders with some of these guys. But I think what was notable, you know, beyond the numbers, I think what's notable about Ange compared to, to those guys we've just mentioned is that he also has something else in common with them in the first seasons. They were all galvanising, iconic figures off the pitch. Yeah. And including Neil Lennon in that, Neil Lennon's first season... You know, he was massive with the Celtic support. He was a huge leader of the club um, at a critical time. Brendan Rodgers, another galvanising figure, ended badly. But that first season, the fans were eating out of his hand. Jockstein did something similar in the 60s when, when he won the Scottish Cup and, and kind of took that into to, the league the next season. And as we know, I've just mentioned, Martin O'Neill had that kind of transformative ability. And I think Ange has that aura about him at Celtic. And I think that's what's been one of the big drivers of success and the way the fans have got behind him this season is he's got that kind of leadership, um, all-encompassing um, personality to kind of take Celtic by almost the scruff of the neck and and, and kind of bend them to, to what he wants the club to be rather than, than what other people might decide the club is. And But we're certainly needing that after last year. And again, very interesting because a lot of people were looking for Celtic to modernise last year and and kind of bring in all sorts of new football structures and stuff. And the, the club kind of rebelled against that and went for possibly the most old-school manager we've had for decades. And I do think Ange is a very old-school manager. I think he's open to kind of progressive ways of playing football. And, you know, he, he does lean on other staff at Lennox Town that have, you know, a more analytical approach to the game. He, he's admitted that himself. But Ange is about as old school as it gets when it comes to being a football manager. He's a manager in every sense of the word. He's got his, his hands on every aspect of the football operation of the club. He's not just a coach. And I think it's interesting that Celtic rebelled against modernisation, brought in an old school manager, and are kind of now reaping the benefits of it. 
Maybe we just realised, you know, what an incredible manager that, that we'd kind of come across. <laughs> um, and certainly in terms of recruitment, I mean, the recruitment, recruitment is is just one of the most key things in football. It's just so important. And the recruitment this season has, has been amazing. I can't remember, you know, another season. Well, A, I can't remember another season when we've signed so many good players, but um, or signed so many players, but for so many of them to be massive successes. I mean, it's... It's probably only really like out the main sign is James McCarthy you'd look at and, and say he's not been a success. I mean, the rest of them have offered something at, at some point this season. And Ange has been, you know, right at the forefront of, of that. I think basically every signing, maybe with the exception of James McCarthy again, ha, has been an obvious Ange signing, a player that he wanted at the club, a player that, that fits the way Ange wants to play, a player that has the mentality to to you know to come into Celtic and to be hungry to play for Celtic and and that's just brilliant. And Going back to your point about you know these these first seasons when a new manager comes in, they're for me they're the most enjoyable seasons I've had supporting Celtic. You know that Neil Lennon first season, the first time round we didn't win the league, we just missed out on it. But that was an amazing season. I know there was other stuff going on in the background that year, but I just remember it being very similar to this season in terms of every game mattered. You know right from the start of the season, those late goals we had that season at St Mirren and at Tannadice. Um, compared to to you know this season where, when we've had late goals and similar kind of games, um, that Brendan Rodgers first season was very different, but there was also similarities. There was new players to get excited about. There was almost that um, need to assert our dominance over Rangers again. Again, very different um, positions to what we're in now, but that was a great season. You know, the Martin O'Neill season was was before I, I followed Celtic, but from what I hear, that was a very similar season as well to to the to the Rogers, the Invincible one. That was amazing. Um, I think it's it's just the, the players he's brought in uh, have been brilliant. But I just rate the guys so highly, and and you know, going going back to those stats, I think it was ten defeats, um, and just had which in fifty games, you know, actually it does seem quite a lot when you think about it. But when you, as I said earlier, when you, when you look at when those defeats came. I think probably seven of them came in, in the real early part of the season. And a lot of them were forgivable as well when you look at them. You know, disappointing to lose at Ibrooks, but you could kind of understand it given where we were. Disappointed, you know, Tynecastle first game of the season. But again, you look at where the squad was at that stage, you know, miles off it. Um, you know, in the European defeats like Alkmaar, we lost, but we went through the two defeats to Leverkusen, I don't think anyone could really grumble about losing to a team of, of Leverkusen standing. And obviously the recent ones, Bodo Glimt, pretty disappointing, pretty disappointing. probably maybe the, the, the first kind of real defeat you'd look at and go, he doesn't really have many excuses there, we were just badly outclassed, we didn't have any players missing, it's a tie I think as much as they're a good side, they won last night, it's a tie that I still think you know Celtic should be looking to progress from, of course we should. So arguably, you know, that those are the first defeats you would really look at and go, right, that's fine. But then equally, this season's about the league. And as long as we're taking care of the business at home, which we have been, hibs aside, you know, everyone, you're kind of prepared to give them a free pass. So I, I think, you know, almost if you looked at the last probably 30-odd games, the record would be would be even better than any of those managers on there. Um, I mean, the, the turnaround and just hadn't. You've almost kind of got to write those first few months of the season off because... Like the, I was at the B the B team game the other day, and there was like four or five players in that starting lineup that we'd seen in the early part of the season. Like Dane Murray, I, I think a, a a big talent, the captain of that B team. 
But Dane Murray should never have been playing for Celtic in a Champions League qualifier. Did he not play both legs against mm-hmm. Mitchell? I mean, yeah. that that's what we were dealing with at that stage of the season. And that's what Andrew's dealing with. I mean, you compare it to now he finally, you know, after the January window, I think that's only that's the point when you can finally say Ange has the squad he wants. You know, he's got options in, in every area of the park. And our form since then has been brilliant. There's still big question marks over Europe, I think, but we'll address that next year. I just think this year's all about domestic dominance. And, you know, as we sit right now, one trophy in the bag. We're in, we're in pole position, I would say, for the league. And we're, we're, you know, in the quarterfinals of the Scottish Cup. I mean, imagine we win a treble this year. Imagine we win a treble. That that guy, a treble this year would, would be as good as any, any of the, the previous four in my book. I'm uh, I'm laughing because we, we started off the video saying that we're, we're staying laser, laser focused and now we're talking ourselves into talking about the treble. I, I, I agree though, like it, it's okay to feel confident. Like that's fine when you're a fan. It's fine to feel confident and that you're in a good position. Otherwise, there's no point in getting out of bed in the morning and talking about Celtic. You know, we've got to be positive, and I, I do think we're in pole position for the league. I've said that. Um, and I think we're probably in a stronger position than many people think. Um, certainly neutrals would think. I, I genuinely think it is ours to lose, and, and not just because we've got a three-point gap, just for, for a whole variety of different reasons. Um, and we'll be going to Monday night's game against United with you know plenty to, to be positive about. And at the same time, recognise that United are going to give us a hell of a game on, on Monday. I've, I've got no doubt about that. I actually think it's going to be a, you know one of the more difficult games of the season. I think they're going to have a go at us. I think they're, they're, they're not going to be playing for draws or anything like that. Um, and I'm excited to see how it turns out because I think they can play a bit of decent football on their day. Um, and it'll be interesting. You know what? United have got a historic connection to the Scottish Cup, certainly over the last you know few decades. They've got a strong attachment to this tournament. And, and I think that that feeds into their fan base. And I think their fans are going to be right up for this at uh, Dice. Don't think it'll be quite sold out or anything as grandiose as that. But I really do think they'll they'll have a decent crowd in there. Um, and obviously, we've got a reduced allocation. I think it'll be a pretty tasty atmosphere. World Cup year as well, so that means Dundee United go go deep in the competition. I think they won it 2010, final 2014. Don't know what happened in 2018, but um, they, they seem to have a good record. It, yeah, I, I think it's going to be a real tough game. I, I've, I've actually got a, a wee feeling of it being quite a long night and quite a tough night for Celtic. I just, I think, you know, we've played United quite a few times at this stage of the competition, pretty much always at Tannadice, and they're really easy games. I know we won there earlier in the season, but as Joe Hart pointed out yesterday, that wasn't an easy victory. That was a victory that came because Celtic were right on it, right from the start. But the Scottish Cup's almost a good thing, I think, at the moment. It's it's not, as much as it is extra games, it's not really because the games are just happening at the weekends. They're not midweek. And it's almost an advantage to be in the Scottish Cup because you don't really want to be going two weeks without any league games at this point in the season. So, and it also kind of, it kind of gives you a wee break. I mean... I think everyone wants us to beat Dundee United on Monday, or Celtic fans who want us to win the, the, the Scottish Cup. But it's not going to have the same pressure as a league game would on Monday. It's not going to have that absolute same pressure. It's going to be slightly, uh, the pressure is going to be slightly released, only slightly, but um, I think that could be a good thing for the team. But I'm looking forward to it. I, I do think, um, I do think there, there's something to that. I, I think there's, you know, taking... A week off from the title race, I don't think is any bad thing whatsoever. I think that, that's a good thing. 
Um, and I think obviously having the free, the free midweek that you mentioned at the start, you know, Ange talked about the benefits. He's talked about the benefits. It gives the team more chance to do, you know, actual work on on the training ground in in the post Coglu way of doing things rather than recovery. Celtic have been in a mode of recovery all season long, um, from game to game. We've not had a free midweek since we returned from January, um, yeah. and so. You know, it's just you know the players get a, usually get a day off after the game, and then the next training sessions about recovery and kind of building for the next game. This week's been completely different. They got a rest after the Livingston game on Monday, I believe. They got a rest on Wednesday as well. They did a training session on Tuesday, um, a training session yesterday. They've got a rest day today, and they've got two days of um, proper training tomorrow and Sunday. So Anne has been able to map out a week that is the perfect preparation he he deems for a game that was eight days after the last one, which I think is ideal for Celtic at this stage of the season. More time with the analysis department, more time watching video, I believe. So there's all sorts of things going on in the background that, that have a cause for optimism. And as Anne said yesterday, he feels the intensity of training and the levels he's seen in training right now are the best that he's seen all season. Um so that, that kind of just bodes well again for, for the weeks ahead. Uh, the squad's in a good place. The, the players that came on on Sunday, I think all looked really hungry. Yakimakis looked looked really hungry. O'Reilly, Abada, we've got options everywhere there. James Forrest, you know, obviously played really well. So it's all looking up. Um, the league table, just don't need any excuse to, to post the league table while we're top <laughs> of it at the moment. Three Three points clear. Uh, goal difference. I, I know you think goal difference c- mm. could end up being a factor. Um, I, I'm, I'm obviously happy where I live in ahead. I'm hesitant to say that that's it, done and dusted, because you know there's still eight games. Well, sixteen games to go, in theory, um, or fourteen actually, if that makes sense. But um, eleven goals ahead, and you know if we were to keep that kind of lead till you know late in the season, you, you would almost be looking at a four-point lead and, and the difference between a four-point lead beyond one game and a, and a three-point lead is, is huge. Effectively, you could lose at Ibrooks and draw the derby at Celtic Park and as it stands at the moment, we'd still have that goal difference to fall back on. So it's a commanding position we're in in general, but I just I just want those games coming up. I, I, I'm looking forward to Monday night and once the game arrives, I'll be right into it. But I just want that Ross County game, just tick that one off and then deal with Ibrooks. That's how I'm feeling. Yeah, it, everyone's getting excited. I, I mean, it's no surprise that Ross County and St. Johnson have sold out already. I know that selling out Celtic Park's not much of a, a you know, it's not a huge indicator yeah. because season ticket sales were so strong. So there's only ever a few thousand tickets available for the They'll be packed for those games. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and I, yeah people, people will be using their season ticket. I know a lot of people can't make the games, but um, I'm sure there'll be people turning up that um, might have missed a couple of games on their season book. So people will be packing out the stadium in those days. There's excitement building and it's for good reason. Um, and I, again, I think it's fine to be excited as a fan. It's, it's the team you want to keep their feet on the ground and the manager. And I, as we've said multiple times, I don't think there's going to be any any chance um, of of that changing. There's a great comment here from Gareth Herman. I'm going to, I'm going to pull in because even I have that ability. Um, he says, Ange is a moral colossus. No matter what happens, we're in the right hands. And Ange, we trust, is not a catchphrase. It's an ideal. It's a mantra. <laughs> maybe maybe Gareth should um, have a go at uh, forming a political party because that is some excellent <laughs> propaganda. I'm all for pro-Ange propaganda, as you know, Hamish. Um, and we, we certainly like to hear that sort of message from our the people in our chat. Fantastic stuff. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I, I spoke to Scott McDonald yesterday and asked him about mm-hmm. the whole... Because I'm obsessed with this idea of like a team going for a title. And we're not quite in touching distance yet, but you know we're very much in the home straight. And I'm, I'm obsessed with the idea of, you know, what do, what do you say? Do you look at the bigger picture? Or is it genuinely that cliche one game at a time? And Scott seemed to think it, it actually is. You, you just focus on the next game and... You've obviously got that thing at the back of your mind. You know why you're focusing on the next game because you know the end goal is, you know, you want to imagine yourself lifting that trophy in May, the end of May. But I, I do honestly think you just you just reach certain points where kind of the environment just allows a team just to be laser focused. And I, I just think that that's where this Celtic team is right now. I think that's why you saw on, on Sunday such a strong performance. And now we, we don't have any other real distractions, you know, Europe isn't there at all and as much as I wanted a run in Europe I'm actually quite glad at the moment that it's just all about the league we don't have nearly as many games as they do we just need to focus every week and I do genuinely believe that the team will just be looking at the next game um, mm-hmm. like I don't I don't think that's you know Joe Hart yesterday's just playing lip service to that I yeah. honestly think that that's the message and it'll be coming from everyone it'll be coming from the, the manager it'll be coming from you know Callum McGregor Joe Hart and I think, as I say, you just reach a point sometimes where the team is just laser-focused, and I think that's exactly where Celtic are right now. Yeah, I don't think the players are saying any of this to be boring or to intentionally mislead the press. I think it's about discipline and message, and I think it probably comes back to who's setting the tone of those messages in the dressing room. You've got Ange, you've got Carl McGregor, you've even got players like Neil Bitton who have been through all this before, James Forrester have all been through this before. They're all the senior members of the dressing room anyway, naturally, just because of their age and the length of time they've served at Celtic. But they'll be, you know, kind of fostering that message when they're together as a group. You know, I, I doubt there's any talk about title races trebles. When when they're in that dressing room, when they're at the training ground, I have firm belief that as a group, they, they've probably even, probably not banned it, but, you know, probably don't entertain that kind of p- patter. You know, it's different when they're a go away and they're with their families and perhaps they're they're checking the media themselves as 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 people are wont to do. And you know, so it's about the players having individual discipline as well and how you know in the social media age, how they curate what they see on the internet, what they see on on stuff going around. I'm sure they will be they'll be aware of the big talking points, but I I do firmly believe that when they come together as a group at Lennox Town and in that dressing room, there's no chat about, you know, trebles and titles and of what happens if we win three of the next six games and what happens if we draw four, like we do on YouTube, MS? It'll be all about, you know, what what's Dundee United? What can we do to beat them? What are their strengths and weaknesses? And how do we exploit them? Because I actually thought for for all the way, again, but going back to Livingston, for all the way that Andrew's been so consistent with his football this season um, and the way that we've kind of set ourselves up to winning matches, I thought Sunday's team was a very specific team. And I thought some of the tactics were very specific to counter Livingston. Um, and it's just interesting that, you know, on a game-to-game basis, Ange will tweak things ever so slightly with personnel and tactics to kind of to, to beat a certain team. Um, and I'd be, I'd be surprised if it wasn't the case on, on Monday as well, given we've had so long to, to think about this one. Excellent. Looking forward to it. I think we will leave it there. Um, we've, we've just about exhausted all of the Celtic chat for now. It's It's been... Strangely quiet week, hasn't it? There's really not been a great deal happening, but you feel like it will kind of kick back into gear. What are we going to do during this international break? I'm already worried about what we're going to be able to talk about. 
I was smart enough to take a week off, Hamish, so I'll be up in the Scottish <laughs> Highlands away in a cabin somewhere with no internet, not not thinking about Celtic at all during the national break. And again, another opportunity for the for the squad to kind of regroup and refresh. But yeah, I don't know what you're going to talk about in the national break. You're going to need to line up some guests. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, think. I, think, I think we're going to have kind of earmarked it as a potential week of interviews type thing, but we'll, we'll see how that goes. I don't want to promise too much, but thanks for thanks for joining me, John. Thanks uh, everyone for tuning in, watching live. Thanks for watching it afterwards as well. Uh, tomorrow we've got a video. I'll be taking a bit of a look at what people are saying about Ange Postacoglu um, from the world of football, not just Scottish football. And then Sunday will be a preview for the game against Dundee United. I think me and Stevie are going to be up at that glorious stadium in Glasgow. I'll let you guess which one that is. But we'll leave that there for now. Thanks everyone for tuning in. Take care and bye.